Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. What's up, guys? Happy Father's Day to everybody online. Hey, um, I just got to warn you, I'm a little bit feisty today. This is how I get from time to time, so I might break into a couple rants, and you just got to flow with me, okay? Thank you. Um, hey, let me ask you this question. What did you come to see? Did you come to just, like, see something? Did you come to hear some information? Or did you come to encounter a person? Because the person of the Holy Spirit of Jesus, he's up in his joint, Okay. And he wants to have church with us. And he doesn't want us to just like hear a lecture. He wants to minister to our hearts. He actually comes to transform us. He wants to give us a powerful relational encounter with himself. He wants to leave us different than when we walked in the door. But for that to happen, we have to activate our faith. We have to believe that God is going to be present in the preaching of his word, that the spirit of God is moving among us, that he's moving. If you're tuning in for the very first time, hey, what's up? Welcome to Fierce. We're believing this is going to change you. It's going to do something in your spirit today. So though it's Father's Day, it's still, it's really the heavenly Father's Day. That's whose day it is. And he's going to move in us in power. So I just want to invite you. Maybe you've got some, maybe you feel like some some dead bones. You feel like the valley of dead bones yourself and you need Jesus to breathe something new into you. Well, he's the right God for the job. And I'm believing he's going to do it today. He's not going to do it next week. Well, he might, but he's going to do it today. Just the same. So, um, hey, before we get started, I want to invite my buddy, Nathan Schramm. Nathan, would you come up on stage? I don't remember if I told you I was going to do this or not, but we want to see you today. Would you come on up? Um, yeah, come on up, Nathan. Guys, Nathan, some of you have known Nathan for a long time. Believe it or not, he was an elder here at the church for 10 years. You believe that? 10 years. I ain't never heard of anybody on the elder board for 10 years. And he saw us through, for some of you who are part of the, the Torch family before it became Torch of Faith and then Fierce, he's been part of that whole time, the whole merger, all the problems, all the difficulties. You guys, you don't know what happens with elders. Elders are like taking bullets that you never see them take. Elders are in the background, like they're having all the hard conversations. Um, they're the ones who are praying stuff through, the other ones meeting with people. They're leaning into conflict when no one's wearing. So um, 10 years is a lot, and so I wanted, the elders and I agreed, the other elders, we wanted to get Nathan something, okay? So you can see this on the screen. It says, Nathan Schramm, elder, 20, 2012 through 2022. And it says, Nathan has demonstrated exceptional leadership and dedication by serving as an elder for 10 years. Thank you for your commitment and sacrifice. So, Nathan, bro, we love you so much, and you have saved our lives countless times. So, can we hear it one more time? Real loud for Nathan. He's awesome. Thank God for you. Amen. Thanks, buddy. And thanks for just coming on stage when you didn't know you were coming. Hey, after church, Nathan, there's a little box that's probably a little safer to carry that home in, so it's right here. Um, Nathan's been such an impact. So many in this church have been an impact on me and so many others. What's up, Adkai? Hey, it looks like you guys are here. These guys have been away for two months. It's super fun to have them 
back in church. And, um, you know, one thing about Pastor Brandon, he's got a real beneficial kind of masculinity. And that's what we're going to talk about today on Father's Day, beneficial masculinity. We hear a lot about negative and toxic masculinity, uh, but we're not going to talk about that today. Here's what I found out. The world has no idea what to do with men doesn't know how to educate men. It doesn't know how to raise men. It doesn't know how to talk about men. It doesn't know how to appreciate men. Um, all it knows really how to do is talk about how toxic and bad men are. In April, Dr. Jordan Peterson, who is a world-renowned psychologist and known for talking about these kinds of things, some of you have read his stuff, you watched his YouTube videos, he, he tweeted this. He said, it's okay to be a man. It's not okay. It's necessary. You look around cities and see all these buildings go up. These men, they're doing impossible things. They're working on the sewers. They're up on the power lines in the storms and in the rains. It's men who are often fixing cars and toys. Not that women don't do it, but the majority are men. It's men that are dying in war. It's men that are cleaning up all the roadkill on the side of the road that you run into. It's men that are chasing down very bad guys. And they're taking them to justice. It's men who are planting a lot of food and growing it. Are there women involved? Yes, but it's men. And they're talking about like they're dumb. And they're talking about it like they're, hey, they're, they're, they're a pox on the entire world. And yet it's men. It's men who are preparing the airplanes and the cars that get us around. It's men who are doing so much. And then Dr. Peterson finishes up this way. He says, the gratitude that is sorely lacking, especially among the people who should be most grateful the social justice bent who are among the most protected and privileged people the world has ever produced should have more gratitude for men. So we're gonna talk about men today. And I gotta, I gotta warn you, you might get offended by some of the things I'm gonna say. So um, that's all right, man. You're gonna get offended anywhere. So you might as well get offended here and it's still gonna be spiritually profitable to you. But we're gonna jump into a moment very early on in the Bible. Okay, and in, in this moment, something bad has happened. And there's a man there, and the man is going to not do what the man should do. And because he doesn't do what a man should do, more bad happens than would have happened. Okay, so let's pick it up. Uh, most of you know the story, but the Lord has warned Adam, and then through Adam, Eve, hey, um, I'm, I, I want to make sure you guys know, you, can, you got your whole run of this place called Eden. You can eat from any tree you want, but I want to know your character. I want to know if you really fear me or not. And so there's just one thing I don't want you to do. I don't want you to eat from this tree, but I promise it's really good because if you do, all kinds of hell's going to break loose on this planet. So just do me a favor, don't do it. So here we find Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than all the wild animals the Lord God had made. It's important for us to know Eve probably does not think of this serpent like a normal snake, like a natural member of the animal kingdom, okay? Because Eve is used to, she, she's aware of all these different animals that Adam named with God, okay? She's aware also, she's in Eden, and, and we gotta understand, like, there's all kinds of supernatural beings that are, that are around here in the council of heaven. I'm sure she's seen lots of different kinds of angels, and you may know that if you, if you study angels in the Bible, there's a whole lot of them that don't look human at all, Okay? In fact, they look super doggone weird. Like they got multiple faces, like a lion and an eagle and different kinds of wings. And so it's, it's not necessarily, it's, though it's weird to us, she's not thinking, oh, here's a talking animal. She's probably more thinking, oh, here's another angelic type of being that is talking to me. And he said to the woman, now other angelic beings have, have not challenged God's authority like this one is about to. But he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any 
of the trees in the garden? Did God really say that? And right here, Satan, that's who this serpent is, this, this angelic type being, he's challenging God's authority and he's doing something in particular. He's saying, hey, that's weird. That's weird that God would say that. Why would he imply that? Because that's not really what's true after all. Why would God be trying to true? He's bringing God's character into question. He's saying, can you really actually trust everything that this creator, this father has told you? And he's a whole lot like, uh, some are familiar with the Star Wars movies and you know who Emperor Palpatine is, okay? He's a whole lot like him. He's pretending to be a friend. And he's just like, ah, this is, this is so weird. Well, why don't you let me help you? Why don't you trust me? I'll tell you the way things really are. You need somebody on the inside, Eve, to tell you really what's going on. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you'll die. You'll certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows, can I tell you what really is happening, Eve? Let me give you the real story. You've been given a false story. You've been given a very, may I say, naive version of the story. But what's actually happened, let me tell you, Eve, what's actually happening is God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. Why don't you just trust me? Because I'm gonna give you the real story. So when I was first introduced to Instagram and I discovered filters, I was like, I feel like I'm tricking people here, okay? Because... I'm presenting a picture, but it's now, I know now everybody uses filters. But when we started, I was like, is this, am I lying here? Because this is not really how good the photo was, right? It's making it brighter. It's making it more beautiful. It's maybe even changing it quite a bit. And what, what Satan just did to Eve was he put a filter on, but he didn't tell her he was doing it. He said, I'm going to put a filter on the narrative. I'm going to change the story, but I'm not telling you that I changed the story. And can I tell you what's happening right now in the earth? Is there's a story about men, but it's a filtered story, but nobody has the integrity to say that it's a filtered story. And the story is maleness is bad. It's not just that bad men do bad things and good men do good things. It's that, dude, there's just something that talks about maleness at all. If, if it's man at all, it's just bad. And the best thing for us to do is just kick it out. I'll tell you what, let's just get rid of it. Men, here's the best thing for you. Just stop it. Just sit there. Just don't do anything. You're best, you're most helpful to the rest of the planet when you please do nothing. One of Satan's greatest master, master moves is to imply that somebody doing something good is actually doing something bad. That's what he did with the Lord God right there from the start. He said, God, he's told you he's doing something good for you. He's actually doing something bad. Well, if he'll do it to God, he'll do it to God's men. And he'll say, men, they say they're doing things for good reasons, but they're actually just wicked. And the best thing to do is just get rid of them. Genesis 3, 6 says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she's like, all three of those are good. I I think maybe I need some of that. She took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. That's really important. He was with her and he ate it. That's really sad. I hope everyone hears me today. Men and women are equal. They are just as important as one another. 
but they do not necessarily have the same responsibility in God's eyes with everything, okay? Adam, at the end of the day, dude, Adam was first. He was there with God. He heard the command directly from God's mouth. And when he's with this woman talking to this clearly challenging God's authority creature, and he just, he's just with her, and he doesn't say anything, I got to imagine there's a moment where he sees her take that bite and there's something about her glory that begins to fade instantly. There's something about the kiss of death that begins to spread to her body. And he, and he doesn't step into it though. He doesn't do anything about it. He's just there watching and see, it's wrong men. This is one of the ways we do things wrong is we're, we're passive sometimes. We're passive and we're watching evil happen. Now, Adam can't stop evil necessarily from happening at all, but he could step in. When she offers it to him, he could have stopped it right there and be like, mm, that's not what we're going to do. Maybe there's another way. Can we stop this right now? Do Cain and Abel have to be born and then one of them murders the other? Can we just stop it right here? Father, because there's something we could do. Can, can, can I die right now instead of waiting for Jesus? Can we just stop the whole thing and start fresh so that the evil sinful nature that brings death and destruction and decay into the world, it can just stop right here. But he doesn't do that. He abdicates his leadership, and his responsibility. He's well-equipped to do such a thing. He knows God's command, but he doesn't do it. And, and we can't blame him because, men, we do that. We don't lead him. And so we see this in the culture now as masculinity implodes. We see this in the cultures as young men, they're in their late 20s and 30s, and they're moving back in with mom and dad. And it's not because they're trying to save for a house or something. It's just because they're like, no, nah, I just kind of like being irresponsible. I, you know, I think someone else will, they'll do a lot of this for me. I don't have any ambition. I don't have any goals. You know, I, I think I'm just gonna take it. He's gonna be like Adam, just take it, just watch things happen. Even though things are falling apart and deteriorating and getting worse. So you got that passive kind of guy. And then you have, you have the other side, which is the domineering kind of guy. Okay, and this is the one the world is really upset about. The world doesn't have any, discernment. They don't really understand that there's a difference between these two or there's even a third option. But this domineering kind of person, they're like, hey man, I'm activated. I'm just activated for me. I'm activated to make it about me. Okay, so yeah, even if I have a family or I have a spouse, you know, that's, that's really about serving me, about my dreams coming true, about getting the things that I need. It doesn't matter that I'm greedy. It doesn't matter that I'm self-focused. I'm not particularly godly. I'm not particularly wise. I'm nothing necessarily like Jesus but that's because I'm making my life, everything's supposed to revolve around me and I'm building a life so that everything is just kind of my servant to get me what I want. And sometimes I'm angry and sometimes I'm honoring, sometimes I'm sharp and sometimes I'm violent because the, the truth is it just makes things happen faster. And besides the whole world thinks I'm bad anyway. So you know what? I'm just gonna be bad. I'm just gonna give myself to it. And I don't mind being a little bit violent sometimes. I don't mind being a little bit irresponsible and coming home drunk and staying out all night and doing all the things and can't keep my fly up to save my life. And I'm just doing whatever I want to do because I'm just the guy and I've just decided that's how it's going to go. And that is a wicked, nasty perversion of the authority that God gave men from the very start. And so Satan comes along. He's, he has no wisdom, but he's very shrewd. Satan comes along and he says, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to stop men from doing anything anything good, okay? Mankind is a way that God wants to do good, but we're gonna stop him. So we're gonna get everybody in the culture to agree, man, just shut up and sit down. Just sit there. Don't 
activate, don't do anything. And there's a satanic plan of shame to say, man, you're better off. We're all better off if you just do nothing at all. And ladies, I know that you don't even know this. You probably don't even hear this, but every guy in this room, every dude listening to the sound of my voice, we all know the voice of the world that says, you know, you're bringing a whole lot of pain on this planet. Why don't you just sit down and shut up and don't do anything? That would help all of us. Guys, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And ladies, can I just, I honor you and I love you and I think you're so awesome. Can I just encourage you? You don't wanna participate in that narrative at all, okay? Like it really doesn't make any sense for you to do it. It doesn't make any sense. You know you have good brothers. Would you stand for it? If you you have real brothers, would you stand for it? If someone just started to talk about, well, you know, all these men, they're just idiots and monsters and they're just ruining the planet. And they're saying about your brother, would you be like, yeah, I know. I feel you. No, you wouldn't. And, and dear heart, you know, if your brothers heard somebody saying such things about you, well, you know, all women, they're just shrews and manipulative and emotional and controlling. See, if they heard somebody say that about you, you'd have to hold them back from busting that person in half because they'd be like, you ain't talking about my sister that way. And so ladies, even though it comes in the guise of like Christian concern, you shouldn't even allow another woman to spit that demonic narrative into your ears because it doesn't belong there. Men, good news. You don't have to be ashamed of being a man. Jesus isn't ashamed of you being a man. Jesus calls us to be men in good and powerful ways. And this is where we get to a new version of what's called the patriarchy. See, there were patriarchs in the Old Testament and their purpose when they're doing it right is to provide provision and protection and help and encouragement in order for human flourishing to take place. Now that word is kind of a bad word. And what it means, again, is that men have this kind of manipulative plan in the background. It's, a, it's really an ultimate conspiracy theory. How the men pulled it off, I have no idea. Given they're so dumb, I don't know how they did it. But somehow they pulled together over hundreds of years this idea that we're all just gonna like keep this in the background, but we're gonna keep women down forever. Now, certainly, praise God, um, there's been lots of progress for women and they have been elevated to their rightful place, I believe, that Jesus would have won. They're, they're co-laborers, they're co-equals with men. Thank God we're finally there. But even as you look back in history, for those who study history, dude, there's no conspiracy. You can't find it. It's not in documents. Sure, there were idiots. There's always bad men. They were always there. But there's no ultra network of men scheming together, let's keep the women down. That's just not real. It's not true. And what, what it really is, what today is, this version of the patriarchy, dude, it's a rehashed Marxist lie that says all the hardship of the planet is because of men. Now, you gotta understand with this Marxist lie, what, what we mean by that is it's, it's, it's a filter. It's a lens. It's colored, but it hasn't told you that it's a filter, Okay? And what it's saying is everything about life is oppressor versus oppressed. The only way to understand life is there's somebody on top and there's someone on bottom and the person on top, their existence is to keep the people on the bottom. And until the people on the bottom rise up and take their rightful place, everyone's gonna be sad. And it doesn't matter if it's about sex. It doesn't matter if it's about race. It's not that there aren't bad things that happen. It's just that, dude, 
you really think that's the entire spine of the story of humankind? Let me tell you what the spine of the story really is. It's two things. Here's the first one. It's rebellion against the holy God. That's the first one. It's all humans against the holy God. It's cosmic treason. And the other one is that awesome, wonderful, perfect, precious, holy God comes and dies on the cross for the sin of all those humans. And he says, I'm going to remake them now by the power of my spirit in my own very own image. That is the story of the world. That's the story of the universe. And you have people submitting to it and you have people not submitting to it. But these men aren't smart enough to put together this incredible scheme that people think that they have in order to keep everything down. And and you you know why they don't need to? because everybody's already a sinner. They just act out of their nature. They just keep sinning. And that means they hurt this one and they hurt that one and they get hurt and we're all hurting one another. Now, what the patriarchy has done, the the idea of talking about the patriarchy is it says, I want justice for that. But rarely do they actually mean today, do they actually mean justice. What they usually much more often mean is, I want revenge for that. And, and my friends, you, you here in the church, you listening to God's word, those are not the same thing. Revenge and justice are not the same thing at all. Revenge has a form of delight in the pain of the one who they think has wronged them. God is the ultimate judge. And you know, even though God brings justice and there will be a judgment day, that's why there's a judgment day. God doesn't delight in anybody even getting what they've sown. Even getting justice, God doesn't delight in it. And so self-appointed justice bringers, what they're really bringing is revenge. Let me give you a little bit of a quote from Frederick Nietzsche. Now, Nietzsche was hardly a Christian, but he happened upon some really, I think, important truths. Nietzsche writes this, resentment is at its heart a yearning for revenge motivated by desire to anesthetize pain through emotion. One needs the wildest possible emotion, he says, in order to arouse oneself to the crucial claim of the resentful person, which is this, someone or other must be to blame for the ill that I feel. Now, someone might be, but the resentful person, that's their filter. I'm in pain and it's someone else's fault and I must find a way to bring revenge or in their mind, justice to that person. The men of resentment, this is Nietzsche again, talk about justice while meaning revenge. Hey, can I just tell you something from God's word? Vengeance is the Lord's. It is not human. We don't have the smarts to bring vengeance, okay? And so let's just leave it to God, but let's first and foremost, take off the filter that nobody bothered to tell us was there and say, like the most important thing about people is not which group they're a part of or how much oppression they're bringing on that one. The most important thing really about a person is how have they related to the saving news of Jesus Christ? And for me, how can I love that person? And here's the irony. Here's, here's why it's such a good trick of the enemy. It's because resentment not only shuts people down and not only makes people feel like, oh, yes, you're getting revenge on me. It destroys the one who's resentful. That's the trick of sin, man. Evil eats itself eventually. That's what evil does. That's why Job says in Job 5, 2, surely resentment destroys the fool. Chapter 36, verse 13, the godless in heart harbor resentment. Resentment is a cancer. Resentment eats us from the inside out, thinking we're bringing justice when really we're just angry and giving vent to more and more demonic 
lots of anger. And so here's some, here's some good news. Guys, we just don't even need to listen to resentful, demonically inspired people that just tell us we're bad. Like you just don't need, awesome, dude, you don't even need to listen to them. You can just woo, keep right on walking. They don't need to stop you. You, man of God, you can do everything good that the Lord puts in your heart and you don't need anyone's permission to do it. You can do everything good that the Lord puts in your heart and you don't need anybody's permission. And so that's really our bottom line today is I ain't going to allow anybody, no matter how resentful, to stop me from doing good in Jesus' name. I'm not gonna let anybody, no matter how resentful they are, no matter where they're getting their filter from, they're not gonna stop me from doing the good that Adam should have done, and now, men, you and I can do. Here's a way to say the bottom line. No one's resentment can stop me from doing good. No one's resentment can stop me from doing good. Men, let's say it together. No one's resentment can stop me from doing good. Oh, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna step into it. I'm not gonna stop here. So here's our points. God's men don't stand by. Number one, they take the weight of responsibility. They take the weight of responsibility. Who is responsible in this moment with this serpent and this woman and this man? Well, the one most responsible was Adam. Adam should have stepped right in there and said, no, that's not how we're going to do it. And men, they tend to like shrink away from responsibility sometimes depending on the guy. But men are best when they have a lot of responsibility. They're best when they're loaded up. I heard one preacher describe it like this. Men are best when they're like a four by four that's loaded up. You ever seen, you ever seen a truck like in the snow kind of, oh, there's nothing in it and it's just kind of like spinning out. Well, that's how men are when they're really all that's in, all that's like in the bed of the truck is like sippy cups full of beer and Pringles and sparklers and video games. And when, and when that's all that's in the truck, dude, it's spinning out all over the road. But when you load that, some, that stuff up with the things men are supposed to do, okay? So if you're not called the single hood men, what that means is you're loaded up with the responsibility of like, I need to protect, I need to provide, I need to sow into a bride, I need to be fruitful and multiply, I need to be doing the will of God with my life, I need to be investing in my kids, I need to be investing in my church, I need to be investing where I work, I need to be investing in my community. Guys do best and they drive straight when they're loaded up. Guys, don't, don't veer away from responsibility. Let God load you up because it makes you strong. Let that stuff get on your shoulders. That's where it belongs. This is where men say, I'm gonna take responsibility for learning about money and I don't need to do it all in a day, but I'm gonna get a budget myself and my wife and I, we're gonna put our heads together because we're co-laborers in Christ. We're gonna get on the same page about stuff. We're gonna get the same page about the discipline of our kids. I'm not gonna like veer away from that. No, that would be me running away from responsibility. I'm gonna embrace that responsibility and even though I'm gonna do it imperfect, I'm gonna be doing it with Jesus. And if I'm doing it with Jesus, we'll do way better and much, it doesn't mean nothing bad will happen but much less bad will happen because men stepped forward and they stepped into their responsibility. Ladies, how many like the way I'm preaching to your men right now? Is this all right? Men, that means we're saying, I'm gonna take financial, physical, emotional responsibility for my babies, for my people. It's gonna be my job. And, 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 and guys, you know this, something, something lights up when you even hear that, for most of you. When you get the idea of like, oh, I get to protect I get to provide, I get to shield, I get to invest in the ones that I love. You feel like a bird in the sky, man. You, you feel free. Like, yes, that's what I'm made to do. 
You feel like a horse running through a field. Yes, that's what I'm made to do. That's what I'm for. That's what God made me for. Now you gotta know, as soon as you say yes to this, man, the enemy's gonna step up and he's gonna try to slap you down. And that's why it's important, especially those of you who are a little bit younger, okay? You're on the front end of adulthood. If that's you, it's really important you make up your mind right now. Oh, I'm gonna get, people aren't gonna like this. When I bring this up, you know, certain people are gonna, because they're all part of the folks that say, maleness is toxic and sit down. No, godly maleness is godly awesome. And you need to hear right now, I'm gonna decide beforehand, I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna keep on standing. You punch me, you slap me, I'm gonna keep right on standing up because we're gonna do God's things, God's way. And there is no other way to get around it. So we're saying, I'm gonna, who, hey, who's gonna pay for stuff for my kids? Well, maybe other people and maybe people are gonna get them gifts and you know, grandparents or whatever, but I am. Hey, who's gonna talk to my kids? Me, I'm gonna do it. Who's gonna love my kids? I'm going to, that's gonna be me. I'm gonna be the one investing in my kids because I'm the one God has given the responsibility to. And men, I know that it can be scary, but dude, you just gotta grab Jesus' hand and step out of that boat and go, okay? Because that's actually where it's safe. It's safer out on the water with Jesus than it is stuck, afraid, and ashamed in this boat, knowing you're not living up to the potential that you have in Christ. Come on, brothers. I should be hearing a whole lot more deep-throated amens right now. Where y'all at? Because no one's resentment can stop me from doing good. Here's number two. God's men don't stand by. They take the weight of responsibility. Number two, they steer their families away from evil. They steer their families away from evil. Oh man, if only Adam would have done something else. If he would have been like, time out. Okay, Eve, I know you already did that, but now we're gonna, we're gonna veer a different way. Men, you gotta step in. You get, when you see start, things start to go south, when it starts to get... Off. It doesn't mean you can save everything from bad, negative circumstances, but you might be able to save something. If you step in, you don't know what God will do. See, the Bible says that we're to discipline our children, otherwise we hate them. Now, there's a lot of different ways that can look, but guys, you can't abdicate that responsibility. You gotta step in. While you've got time to do it, you've gotta do it because our entire culture is demonic and crazy when it comes to how to raise kids. That's one of the reasons there is a collapse of masculinity. Our culture is like, hey, let the kids lead. I, I began to hear these messages even when I was a kid. Like people just like, let the kids lead. Are you psycho? Have you met kids? <laughs> I was a kid. No one should have let me lead. All right? I was insane. I was doing whatever impulse came into my mind. Let kids lead. No, kids need a godly parent to lead. They need them to lead them. That's what they need. Kids have a sinful nature and parents need to step in into lovingly. It's not always, you, you can't always be their best friend. You gotta be the parent right now. Be their friend later. Right. Teach them, hey, you've got a sinful nature and we have to like work around that sometimes. And this is why there's often so much generational dysfunction because dad did nothing. Dad didn't get in there and do anything, okay? And so entire family, entire generations of families, they're like, let's experiment with this evil. And then like everything implodes and there's all kinds of fallout and hurt and family members don't talk to one another anymore and all kinds of bad stuff happens, but there was no dad there to step in and do anything about it. And so the next generation grows up and they're like, well, we didn't have any blueprint. Let's just try something else. And nobody's doing it God's way. And everyone's just re-experimenting and re-finding out that evil hurts and kills people. That's what they keep finding out. Why? Because dad didn't step up and do anything about it. Where was dad? I'm not trying to sound weird or, or, or mean to anybody, but dude, you know what? In my house, we don't need a corrections officer because we have a dad. 
all right? We don't need anybody's help to get somebody off pills because we have a dad. We don't need anybody else to like help our kid not be chasing dark and illegal ways of getting money because there's a dad. And dads, that's you. It's your responsibility to do that. Get in it. You might not be able to stop all the evil, but there'll be a whole lot less evil if you step in than if you don't. Guys, we got to take responsibility. And that doesn't, see, dude, it's not just being a dad to say, well, you know, I'm going to vote for somebody that's going to take somebody else's money and give it to my kid for free as a stimulus check. That's not being a dad. The dad is, you find a way. You find a way to help that kid get good at something. You find a way to keep that kid going in the right direction. You find a way. And can't nobody stop a man after God's heart from just saying, you're not going to stop me. I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I don't care what they say. I don't care who shames me. I'm gonna keep right on going. So this is about 20 years ago now, but there was this uh, park in South Africa and they were bringing in wild animals, you know, to kind of like be in the habitat there. And they brought in a bunch of adolescent elephants. Okay, these adolescent elephants, they're like in their 20s, which means they're actually full of hormones. They're ready to like mate, okay? And so they're, they're, they're raging. And often these adolescent elephants will fight one another and, and occasionally it gets really bad. Well, in this particular case, it's only adolescents and they start killing these rhinos, like 50 rhinos. They, they're spearing them with their tusks and they're stomping on them. And, and the ecologists watching this were like, this doesn't happen in the wild. Why are these elephants doing this? And it's because as, as they continued to study, it's because in the wild, there's older elephants with more testosterone and more wisdom. So those older father elephants weren't in the environment. In the wild, those older father elephants, they come around. And they essentially, I don't know how they say it, an elephant, but it's like, check yourself, son. (laughs) We don't kill people here. We don't kill other elephants. We don't kill other rhinos. Calm down. And because there's a father in the mix, those little adolescent elephants are like, okay, all right. And they immediately, they calm down. And they don't kill people. That's why we need fathers, dads. That's why you're needed. That's why it's so important. You've got to be around. You've got to be in their life to just occasionally, yes, be their bro, go on the trips and do all the fun things. And occasionally be like, that's not what we do. That's not how it works. Um, and my dear sisters, if you've got a father that did some of that, if you've got a husband or a brother that behaves in those ways, or brothers, if you had an old man that he didn't do everything right, but he did step in and he stopped some evil from happening. And especially if he, if he now claims the name of Christ, you ought to be on your knees today thanking God for the man of God that he put there to protect and provide for you when you didn't even know that you needed protected or provided for. Come on, somebody. God's men don't stand by. They take the weight of responsibility. They steer their families away from evil. And they, number three, they leverage their access to others. They leverage their access to others. Here's one of the things that's hard about being a man. You're responsible to do stuff that you don't always know how to do. There's just stuff, as, as you grow up, especially in, in, when you're on the front end, you don't know how to do certain things like, well, I don't know how to get out of debt. I don't know how to like apply for a loan. I don't know how to go buy a car. I don't know how to do all these, I don't know how to, buy real estate. What? Men, there's a whole bunch of stuff men don't know how to do. That's why they need other men. Can you imagine what would, what would have happened if in that moment, Adam's sitting there with Eve and the serpent 
And right in that moment, he's about to like take that apple. He just looks over and there's another man. And men, you know how this goes. You can just be with a, a man you respect. He doesn't need to say nothing. He just, he, he gives you that look like, you don't want to do that right now. If there would have been somebody else there, and I think there was somebody else there. I think Jesus was there. I think if Adam would have just looked, just look to Jesus right now, he'd keep you out of a lot of trouble. Men, you need men. You need Jesus, but you need Jesus through other men. Because, bros, you got strength. I'll give it to you. You got strength. Brothers, none of us has all the wisdom that we need. We need other dudes. God's made other dudes really, really wise. And other women, but well, we're talking about dudes today. He's made them really, really wise. And we've got to go to them, and we got to ask, and we got to be where they are. That means they're not going to come knocking on your apartment door. You have to go where they are. You got to go to men's breakfast. You got to go to church. You got to be in places where those dudes are there. And you say, hey, I'm really wrestling with this whole, um, you know, retirement thing. You, you have anything you can help me with regard to that? Or I see that you're really good at that. Can you help me with that kind of thing? Bros, that's why they're there. And men who are a little bit older, you're like, I'm already done raising my kids. I know all that stuff. This is where you come in. It's really important for you to be right in this moment. Because you've had a lot of victories, but your victory is extended when you share that wisdom. Your victory is extended when you share that with, I'm, I'm glad you won. Now share your wisdom with the rest of us. Help us do better than you did. And, and I wish it wasn't this way, men, but, but older men, you gotta sometimes just like pop up from time to time. You gotta go find them a little bit and just be in their vicinity. I know they should come find you, but sometimes you guys gotta go hang out where they are in order for them to even like get the, get the clue that they're supposed to, to lean in there. Men, we got to do it. Let me give a little bit of advice for the, for the, the older fathers and grandfathers in, in the room and listening online. What you want to do is you want to be like a really dope, positive backseat driver, okay? Most times when we think of backseat drivers, that's a bad thing because they're on you, they're, they're, they're nagging you, they're telling what you did wrong. But can you imagine having a backseat driver that was just like, mm, that was a good left turn. Or someone who's like, excellent merging. <laughs> you want that kind of backseat driver? You know what I'm saying? Older men, that's what you need to be to some of these guys. You don't need to take the wheel, okay? Your, your time, you, you did your thing. Now help them by being positive and encouraging. And just, hey, just my two cents. Here's, some, here's something you're doing awesome. And here's a little, little, you know, sentence of advice. That's what they need, guys. That's where they need you. Here's what Jesus is to us. See, in, in the real world right now, men, you're Eve. You're Eve in this world. And Jesus is with you. And Jesus wants to counsel you. And Jesus wants to advise you. And he's saying, you don't have to go the wrong way. You can go the right way. And I will strengthen you. And I'll be everything you need. I know that you're going to be afraid, but I'm a bold lion, Jesus says. I'll help you do everything you're supposed to do. You grab my hand, you step off that boat, and you stand up. And listen, our Heavenly Father is saying, I'm not going to undo all the damage of the fall right now. Jesus did that. Jesus is going to get the glory for that. But listen to what he will say. Every place that you will stand up as a man and do good, I will begin to work redemption. 
every place that you begin to stand up and do good, I will begin to work redemption. That's God's call to us today, brothers. That's who he's called us to be. And he's called us for such a time as this. The world needs your godly manhood now. Amen? Let's pray. If you're a dude, whether you're watching online or you're right here in the, in the auditorium, I wanna ask you to stand up because I'm gonna pray for you right now. We're gonna pray for a courage anointing. If you got the courage to stand up, that'd be a little ironic. If you don't, we'll pray that you stand up. Um, <laughs> but we're gonna pray a fresh anointing for all of us of God's courage. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you. Thank you for good fathers. Thank you for good models. Thank you for good examples. God, we want to do good and be good. We want to declare your excellencies and the awesome godly masculinity that you've called us to live in. Jesus, we need you. We need your counsel. We need your warnings, but we need your strength and your lion heart on the inside of us. So God, I pray for all these men listening even later on. In Jesus' name, I pray for a fresh empowerment, a fresh courage, a fresh stability, a fresh yes, I can in their spirit. God, we repent for the places we got it wrong. We repent for the places we were passive and the places we were overbearing. And in Jesus' name, we pray now, Father, give us godly fortitude that doesn't stop, that doesn't sit down, and that is not ashamed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible-preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being His witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development-related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.